Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. This week I'm uh, flying solo, but I do have a guest. Uh, Gene, can you tell me what's your last name? How do you pronounce that? Yeah, Nassif. Nassif, okay. Well, that makes sense because that's exactly how it's spelled. Exactly. Uh, so, Gene, uh, I ask uh, the same two questions every time somebody comes on the podcast for the first time. What was the first whiskey you ever had? Fourteen. It was at my grandpa's house. Nice. That's a, that's a good one to start with. And oh, yeah. second question is uh, your favorite pour you've ever had, or most interesting, however you want to take it. Ooh. Um. You know what? I'm gonna shake things up. Midwinter's Night Dram uh, would have been two years ago. I absolutely love it. I've had a you know I've had the stags. I, I've had the. Uh, the Pappy 15 is, is the best I've gotten for the Pappy line, but uh, Midwinter's Night hits a lot of notes that I just can't get over. Now, was that the five, the Act 5 or Act 4? Uh, it would have been 2017, so it would have been maybe four. Yeah, I think that it was either that or 5-1 that I really love, too. I love it. Yeah, they Absolutely had some good early ones. It. So getting more into present day, um, you've gotten into sourcing barrels. Can you give us a little bit of a, a rundown of what you do now and, and how you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in 2018, I approached John Baker of Cat's Eye Distillery in Bettendorf, Iowa. Um, we were both in the same whiskey group. We are in an Iowa whiskey group, and I said, uh, you know, I want to take that next step in, in being an enthusiast and going from an enthusiast to uh, doing business and I said you know there's not a lot of honest sourcing out there you know there's there's not a lot of labels that'll say this is exactly where it's from this is what we did to it and this is what you're getting mm-hmm. so I, I said why don't I make a transparent um, sourced whiskey line <clears throat> and that's how obtainium started um, obviously a play on the words obtained um, but nevertheless we uh we sourced uh, light whiskey at first. I tried a bunch of different whiskeys, including some bourbons, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee bourbon. And the light whiskey stuck out uh, both because of price point and because of taste. Uh, there was definitely a value proposal in the light whiskey and that uh, there weren't a lot of companies bottling it. And I thought it had a taste that packed a much bigger punch than its price point. So my first product was the uh, light whiskey. I uh, bottled it at barrel proof and sold it. Uh, retails around sixty bucks, fifty to sixty bucks, depending on the retailer. And we went from there. We started uh, finishing light whiskey. We ended up getting some real dickel uh, rye, and that uh, dickel rye actually was a big, big hit among enthusiasts. And we're now moving into uh, Polish rye, and we're also doing a blend. Uh, hopefully pretty soon I actually secured a bourbon today with a very very famous blender in Kentucky uh, that I, I think a lot of people know uh, if you've if you've listened to this podcast you know who he is that's for sure um, so can you give us an idea of sort of where you're available uh, are yep, you retail wise I, I actually have a lot of respect for uh, Mr. Matting yeah he uh He's a character. Uh, yeah, I'm working my ass off to uh, get as much distribution 
anyway, I'm uh, I'm working hard to get as much distribution as I can. Uh, right now, we're in Iowa, Illinois, and we just got licensed in both Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota. So you can see us in uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota soon. We'll hit first in Wisconsin at uh, Nemeth's and Starks, hopefully, and we'll hit in uh, Minnesota at Haskell's first. I wonder why you got started at Nemeth's. That was a sarcastic. That was a sarcastic uh, you know question. I the, think I know why. Oh, I was gonna say because <laughs> of Sean. I'm Tons assuming. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think his name's Victor. I mean, well, two just amazing people that are the most supportive people in the world. I, I couldn't ask for uh, better. I mean, better, more helpful people in the uh, Facebook community. And uh, I've heard of if you want to share some of your special uh, finishes that you're doing now. Uh, He's uh, Victor's given me a few of them when we were on Hello? the road. Can you hear me? Gene, can you hear me? Uh, yep. Did you hear yeah, what I, I said? Did you hear my question? Nope. All right. Uh, do you want to share some of the special finishes you're you're doing right now? Victor gave me a few on the road when we were on the way down to Kentucky. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first one I'm doing is a light whiskey finished in a uh, George Dickel rye, and that's real George Dickel rye, not uh, MGP that's you know gone through the Tennessee process or whatever they call it. Um, I've got a Polish rye finish, which is from uh, Kazuba Distillery in Florida, and there's a very long story about that, but... Uh, they brought their entire distillery from Poland to the United States, and I got some of their barrels that were made in Poland. And then uh, the last one, I've got a local red wine cask, Finnish light, uh, and that's it for the light. And then the Polish rye that I sourced is currently finishing in a local winery's uh, red blend. It's like a savory red blend barrel. Interesting. Uh Going back to a little bit, you just you mentioned something about George Dickel uh, MGP being finished in the Tennessee process. What's that? I've never heard of that before. So it's my understanding, and I, I could be wrong, but uh, that's a caveat on everything we say today. Just FYI. All right, but uh, <laughs> it's my understanding uh, that the George Dickel on the shelves, the George Dickel rye, is not actually made by George Dickel. It's actually an MGP. Uh, rye whiskey that they somehow finished or or uh, chill filtered or something. Uh, it's on the label. I, hmm. I don't have a bottle of it on me, but it, it's my understanding that it is made in Indiana. And the uh, rye that I sourced from Tennessee, from Dickel, uh, was made by Dickel themselves, and that was under contract by another distillery. The distillery four years ago, paid Dickel to uh, make these rye barrels for them, and I ended up purchasing those barrels from them. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't buy enough Dickel to pay attention to the label, so I'm, well, I'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, so in, in sourcing barrels, what have you come to find the biggest hurdles, the, big, the things that were easier than you thought it would be, or the things that have been harder than you thought it would be? You know, the hardest thing for me was getting in. Uh, I, I'm happy to say, and I, I'm very, um, 
proud to say that uh, out of all the people in the industry that I reached out to, I, I reached out to, I mean, MGP, and this was before MGP had no limit, uh, or before MGP had a no limit on the amount of barrels you could get. I reached out to uh, every big name distillery trying to source, but it was actually uh, Mr. Mattingly that was the first person to really help me out and help me find a, a good broker to get whiskey from. And, uh, you know, from there I started making connections and those connections turned into uh, a pretty good network right now. And I, I think I've got just as much access to whiskey as, as everybody else on the market. And I think that the barrels that I've sourced right now are indicative of that. Cool. So what do you think was, was there anything that has been easier than you thought it would be? Or was that, was that it? You thought it would be tougher to find the whiskey or was that pretty tough? I don't know. Oh, no, that was really tough. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me getting in was, you know, uh, you know, starting this relationship with John was was really beautiful. We, I think, work off really well with each other. And, you know, we help each other grow and help each other in, in business. Um, but I think the hardest part thus far has been trying to find good distributors. And, mm-hmm. you know, we cannot legally in Iowa sell out of our distillery. So for us... Our hardest part is getting things on shelves, and uh, we're selling things once it's on the shelves, and we can show people that we get good reviews online, but uh, getting these store owners, you know, even out of state or getting these distributors out of state to pick up our product has been pretty difficult. So, um, you all actually have a storefront in in Iowa? Uh, legally, we cannot. Okay. So, long story short is... Uh, in Iowa, if you uh, do any sourcing, which is stupid, but if you do any sourcing, you cannot sell out of your distillery. Huh. Yep. It's not ideal. No, I wouldn't imagine it would be, but it's ideal for your commute, I'm sure. Yeah. So is that what you're doing full-time now, or do you have another job? No. Believe it or not, I'm a uh, defense attorney full-time. Oh, Lord. Well, we may need one of those soon. <laughs> keep you on retainer uh, yeah i do insurance defense right now i i was doing plaintiff's work uh for my first year and then i moved over to the defense side got a new job opportunity yeah it's it's interesting to hear how many uh lawyers and and people that are in the law enforcement uh, get into whiskey just like uh brian at twisted path who used to be in the cia and all that jazz yeah it's really interesting and uh, same with uh, Angels Envy, the firefighters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think that was a story with uh, the Hendersons. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll get into a little bit more of the actual MGP and Dickel uh, thought process. I mean, you know, you said you went with, I think light whiskey is sort of a, uh, it's becoming less of a uh, negative People are starting to come around oh, yeah. at it, I think. It was for a while, and a lot of the big hits on uh, Jeff was him using uh, light whiskey. I mean, but oh, yeah. to a lot of the, to a certain extent, I've always thought it was pretty good. Uh, and you said it's, it, for the for the buck especially, when it comes to sourcing and different, uh, sourcing from different places, is there pluses and minuses to each one? Or can you give us a little rundown as far as, uh, where you source from, how much, or not how much, but, you know, the pluses and minuses value-wise. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now that Kentucky is not the place to find good whiskey right now. 
Uh, and I say that not because their whiskey is fantastic. I say that because I, you know, a lot of us smaller distillers cannot have a product on the shelf for 150 bucks to move product. Yeah. Uh, and that's the big problem with sourcing Kentucky. Um, I'll tell you right now that in the coming months and in the future, I think there's going to be a big boom in, um, you know, not only whiskey from all over the country uh, coming to these uh, small, either non-distiller producers or small distilleries, but I think we'll also see some good Canadians coming in. Uh, Whistle Pig was famous for this. However, um, I think a bunch of other distilleries... <clears throat> excuse me, are going to uh, start to look at Canada as a way to get old and very good uh, whiskey, bring it in and uh, either bottle it as a single barrel or, or do fun things with and really make a good product. Um, otherwise, I think Dickel too, uh, not only the Dickel bourbon that everybody talks about that's so controversial, but truly I was blown away by the Dickel rye I got. I was, I was happy with it. I thought it had great spice and I thought it it really was. I mean, for four years old, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a lot of Barton available right now, or as some people are lab- labeling it, Sazerac. Yep, it's my understanding that there's going to be uh, a bunch of 12 and 15 year uh, coming onto the market within the next few weeks to, to months. Yeah, that's I've noticed a lot of that coming in, and uh, I've seen a lot of opportunities in buying single barrels, but at that price. Even buying from the the larger distilleries, one hundred and thirty, hundred forty, hundred fifty dollars a bottle for a single barrel to us to a group is a little exorbitant. I can't even imagine exactly. sourcing it and then having to pay for the bottling and all that jazz as well. Yeah, and, and in all honesty, when you compare that, you know, if if you really want to have a blind comparison between that and. Uh, you know, Dickel's controversial, but you could say Dickel. You could also say even a Canadian, which I know is controversial. Um, some of the good stuff you source out of Canada or even some of the good stuff you can source from, uh, you know, random Midwestern places. Every once in a while, you'll see a barrel pop up from the Midwest. I'll tell you right now that I really do think that all of the other, you know, the non-Kentucky uh, bourbons and even non-Kentucky rye and non-Kentucky whiskeys can really pack a punch and for the value for the money you're comparing a $150 bottle to a $60 bottle it's got the same age and the only difference is really where it came from as long as you're not talking about light whiskey <laughs> you know light, light whiskey is made differently but uh I'll tell you that the light whiskey for for the money you know I would put a finished light whiskey up against a good bourbon any day of the week that's same a, age and same proof. That's the thing with light whiskey. It is it is good on it by itself, but it's 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 sweeter, generally speaking. Yep. So though when you add the finish to it, it can definitely change it. But you do have to finish it to get get a little closer to a whiskey profile. Yeah, and that's the thing too. You you have to go into it. You know, light whiskey. You're not trying to copy bourbon. No. You know, I. You know, when I chose the light whiskey, I was not trying to say this is a bourbon, nor was I trying to say this is going to taste like a bourbon. It tastes good for what it is, mm-hmm. uh, which is a light whiskey. Just like the Canadians, the Canadians that I've been sourcing and, and working on sourcing, 14 years old, they don't taste like a rye, an American rye. They don't taste like. Uh, Oh, 
are some barely barely legal rise out there. I mean, the the stuff that I can get from Canada is fifty three rise, so it's it's not a heavy rye, and I think it's fantastic stuff. Again, it's not like anything here; you can't compare it, but it's still fantastic for what it is. Does it have a hint of uh, maple syrup and bacon? It really, <laughs> and you say the maple syrup. Yes, yeah. it does, and and I kind of like it, and. I think the problem with Canadians, you know, I always get that alcohol bite when you get down to like the 80 proof Canadians, you know, it kind of tastes like, like vodka almost. And if you either don't cut it at all, or probably do a more long-term cutting as in cut it in the barrel, I don't think it's going to have that, that bite that a lot of them have. Yeah, I I don't have a ton of experience with Canadian whiskey. I know I've had a few of the whistle pigs that are pretty good, and I've had a, a ton of people say that a lot of the stuff coming out of Alberta is a lot better than it's given credit for now, especially what's coming from whistle pig. So I'll have to take your word for that. Oh yeah. <clears throat> when it comes to rye, I mean, I'm not really I'm not really picky on where my rye comes from. So it can come from Canada or wherever. But I obviously I'm an MGP whore, so. Uh, anything MGP, <laughs> I, I gravitate towards a little more. If you like a spice bomb with a rye, I recommend trying that real dickle rye. It is a spice bomb. Uh, I'm all over the place when it comes to rye. I like everything. There's not, I don't gravitate towards one type of rye. I like fruity rye. I like spicy rye. I like, I like it pretty much all of them. Uh, when it comes to bourbon, I definitely gravitate towards more of a a, a fruit forward palate and less earthy. Mm-hmm. I feel you. All right. Well, getting into uh, the individual, we've had a, a, a discussion off off the podcast, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit uh, on here. What What's your opinion on the next big thing coming in sourcing? There's a few things. Uh, I think I mentioned it couple of times already but mm-hmm. i think that uh canada is going to be big and i think also the dickel uh you know it's going to dry up pretty soon i think that the 13 plus year dickel is going to dry up and i think that's going to get hot real quick once it all dries up um but also the canadians i think will be after that and uh i, I think some of the rise will have a renaissance as well and I, my opinion is that Dickel's too polarizing to really grasp that big of a marketplace of this, of this overall people who don't mind it not being from Kentucky. Because uh, either you love Dickel or you hate Dickel, and I'm on the oh, I yeah. hate Dickel bandwagon. It, it really is black and white. You either lo- you know, taste is subjective, and and Dickel's polarizing when people either love it or hate it, but. Uh, I think from a supply and demand standpoint, it's going to dry up sooner rather than later. And once it's dry, I think that uh, there's going to be a you know a pop. Do you think do you, do you have an opinion on if you think MGP is going to low uh, their newer stuff go down in popularity? You know, <laughs> knowing what MGP uh, is going through right now financially. I don't know what happened because MGP currently it should be in a boom. Everybody loves MGP, yet their stock drops 27% in one day or, or 26% in one day. Something's going on, and I'm not sure what it is. I think MGP needs to continue 
producing product, and I think they need to keep or start selling it at more reasonable prices because, let's be honest, they aren't. But uh, the fact that you know people like me that go to MGP can't get anything over two and a half years old, three years old, and again, remember, I'm a little guy. I'm not a big guy, so yeah. I don't have access to the big stuff. But the point is, is you know, the fact that none of that's available, something's going on. And I'm sure that they've got aged stock. They make so much whiskey. I can't imagine that they don't have stuff that's a bit older. But, you know, they have to start selling it. And when they start selling it at more reasonable prices, more people get access to it and prices will go low. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my personal opinion, I, I saw, I don't know if it's reported earnings that made that happen, the dip so quickly. Uh, but I think they personally need to get out of the business of selling their own labels. I don't, I'm not sure that that's yeah. done anything good for them. Their Rossville, yeah. their Rossville Select was awful. I tried have it. Had, what? Go ahead. Have you? Sorry, have you had the Remus, the Remus Two, and then uh, Volstead's coming up, the 14-year bottled and bond. I'm looking forward to that. But I was pretty impressed with. Uh, the one that I got, which is two. I've got number two right now. I've had a couple of the remisses. I've tried them. They're decent, but is it really is it really worth it to MGP to oh, put no. all that money into bottling it and marketing it and all that jazz to get the same amount of profit they probably would have gotten if they had just sold it to somebody else and I had to pay for everything else? And you know what? They should have done, and, and this is why so many of these uh, non-distiller producers are so brilliant. If MGP did what Smooth Ambler did or did what Redemption did with their product, with MGP product, I think they would have been much better off. Or even Bullet. Bullet's yeah. a you know, bottom shelf, young MGP. They could have done that, not spent a lot of money on marketing, and just had this special product sitting on the shelves. You know, you don't really need a big marketing budget for it. And or, it would have done great. But they, instead, they, they go ahead. pumped the money into the brand. Yeah, and they did it with all these. I mean, the only thing, like I said the other day, the only thing I really think is a good value from them is the eight and sand, and that's really a low price point. And the yeah. bottle's not all that great, and the label's okay, but it's not like really ornate like the Remus and the and the other products they put out. I mean, the Rossville's generic too, but I just think the Rossville was not good. I mean, how do you? Yeah. I don't know if you. I mean, their their picking process was they gave you uh, a certain type of this big blend they did where you got to choose savory or salt or I can't remember what the other two were, but there were just three different types of these blends you could pick from, and that's your that's your your store pick. That's weak. Yep. Yeah, they they were not smart in how they did that, and it almost blows my mind and. Again, completely speculating, but it blows my mind that MGP didn't just buy out a Smooth Rambler, didn't buy out Redemption, and just have them do it. Because, honest to God, these guys, and, and I'll keep going back to them, Redemption, Smooth Ambler, they do a great job at selling product. Yeah. And they don't do a ton of marketing, and they sell MGP, and they can sell it like crazy. And they've got a great business model, both of them. Fantastic with MGP. Well, Smooth Amblers just has a, a rabbit fan base at this point, so they yep. they don't need to they don't need to market any. They just throw it on their Facebook page and yeah. it's sold. Exactly, but but again, imagine if MGP picked them up 
and then MGP, you know, picked them up. Of course, they would pay them out. Yeah. And then they would keep all the management there and just had them pumping out, you know, the good MGP stuff in their stockpile. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's, it's a and, lot better again, than the, the stuff that they're doing right now, which is not right. Exactly. And you would think as many guys as they have there. I guess the thing is, is them just starting out as long as they've been producing, just trying to put out labels now. It mm-hmm. has them behind the eight ball, so they can't really. I mean, they're like trying to play catch up at this point. Which is why I think a buyout's the the best idea. That's interesting. I, I do think that the Rossville and all that has really has really dragged them down. And they're they should have just stuck to sort letting people buy from them. And I think they might be holding stock back. Why you can't get the older age stuff? So they have stuff for their own labels. That would be my opinion. Yeah. I've I've heard and again complete speculation that uh, Remus number four, so the one after this Volstead fourteen uh, year bottled and bond. I hear that that one's going to be really really special. I, I've not been told what it is, but I've I heard that it's going to be uh, something that enthusiasts are going to go crazy over, which it was coming from another enthusiast. So hopefully it'll be something you know groundbreaking, but at the same time I still catch up. Yeah. All right, well, we're almost at a half hour, so we'll go ahead and close this out. Uh, is there anything you would like to say in closing, uh, any bits of wisdom or <laughs> any closing statements about your uh, company you'd like to talk about? About Obtanium, you know, keep asking for it, uh, especially in Minnesota and Wisconsin. But uh, we're going to keep doing some interesting stuff. Uh, we've got some blends coming up, and I'm hoping to start a – uh, I'm, I'm sh- trying to shoot for 107 proof, but it's going to be uh, younger NGP bourbon, uh, high rye bourbon with uh, light whiskey. I think that's going to be my next big project after my blend. Um, and, and that I'm hoping to hit the $40 price range. But uh, the point is, is, you know, any, any support is always appreciated. Uh, we've got light whiskey. And if you're out of the area, I can always make sure that you guys get a hold of some. Also try the uh, the rise and other stuff that I come up with because all the stuff that I pick is is interesting. It's not you know if you like bourbon and only bourbon, um, you know it's not really for you. But if you're willing to try a new whiskey, a lot of this stuff's gonna blow your mind and and how different it is and unique it is. I'll have to get a hold of some of that Dickel Rye. I think that would be interesting to hear to to taste. Um, I can send you a sample. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, do you have a Facebook page? I do, absolutely. My name, uh, Gene Nassif, and then you can also uh, go to Cat's Eye Distillery, uh, which is the distillery that has the Obtanium brand. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate you joining us, uh, Gene. It was very informative, not quite as uh, hostile as I was hoping for, but I guess we can <laughs> we can night. leave that for the PMs. All right. All right, man, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, have a nice night. You too.